Hey gorgeous, welcome to the Healing Elevates Relationships podcast. I'm your host, Bernadette Jackson, CEO and lead strategist at Her Consulting Group and the creator of Her Way Relationship Intensive Course. This podcast was created as a response to my desire to redefine how the world views women with daddy issues. I release a new episode every week, so expect to hear me and my guests discussing topics, sharing stories, and gaining insights from the perspective of a fatherless daughter and the people who love and support us. If this is your first time here, here's what I want you to know. You deserve amazing relationships, and nothing you've done or experienced disqualifies you from that. But here's the thing. Amazing relationships with others happen after you cultivate an amazing relationship with yourself. And how do you do that? Self-discovery, healing, and accessing your authenticity. Let's dive in. Hey, y'all. So last week, we talked about how fear can cause us to self-sabotage the good things that are happening in our lives because those good things go against the script that has governed our reactions, our behaviors, and our feelings, right? So what I want to talk about today brings me back to this time about 15 or 16 years ago now when I was in this relationship with this guy. We were driving to the store and I was in this little funky mood. I wanted to sit still, silently and peacefully in the car as we drove. And my then boyfriend put his hand on my leg and I just remember looking down at my leg where his where his hand was placed and realizing that I just did not want to be touched. So I gently and I silently moved his hand back to the gear shift. Well, he put his hand right back where it was and I moved it again. What do you think that he did? Mind you, this entire time, no one is saying anything. We're both just engaged in this silent battle of wills. So he puts his hand back on my leg. And as I was about to move it again for the third time, he did some kind of some kind of, I don't know, fake switch something where he caught my hand, flung it and firmly placed his hand right back on my leg. When I tell y'all that I was livid, that's literally an understatement, okay? Not only was I livid, but I felt like he just did not respect the boundaries that I had created by flinging my hand away in the way that he did. And the way he flung it away actually twisted my wrist. So not only was I upset because I didn't want to be touched, not only was I, you know, upset because my boundaries weren't respected, but now I'm sitting up here with a throbbing, twisted wrist. It was super painful. And so I just sat there and I silently cried. This entire time, I still said absolutely nothing. As soon as the tears started flowing down my face, all I did was I turned towards the window so that he wouldn't see me. And before we got out of the car, I quickly dried my tears. 
I never told him that what he did hurt my wrist or that, you know, I felt that my boundaries were disrespected or that I just wasn't in the mood to be touched at that time. None of that. And to this day, I know that he has absolutely no idea how that incident actually made me feel or that, you know, I was so overwhelmed and frustrated and upset that I actually cried. During that time of my life, I was avoiding conflict like the plague, okay? (laughs) One of the things that I used to do, and this is also a trend that I notice in a lot of my clients, is that my cutoff game was very strong. I'm talking immaculate. During conflict, we often push people away or leave them before they have an opportunity to even fix their mouth to say that they're leaving us. And I know that you can relate to that. Now, here's the thing. We deeply desire the safety of knowing that the people in our lives are not going anywhere. So instead of pushing people away in conflict, many of us avoid it all together. We think if we can ignore what's happening, then we won't have to address it. And if we don't have to address it, things won't get ugly or uncomfortable. And if things don't get ugly or uncomfortable, I won't have to leave or risk them leaving. And if no one has to leave, I won't feel alone or abandoned. The problem with this cycle is that issues that bother you go unresolved and issues that go unresolved keep showing up. If you can relate to any of what I just said, then you may be conflict avoidant. And let's do what we always do by defining terms. So conflict avoidant is a person's method of reacting to conflict, which attempts to avoid directly confronting the issue at hand. This is a psychological destination for people who strive to get away from fights of any kind at all costs. You heard my story, but other examples of this are people who make it a point to tell you that they don't argue and they say things like they won't even tolerate arguing in their relationship. And they say it as if that's some kind of distinction that deserves a badge of honor. They go even as far as saying that they refuse to go back and forth with anyone or you have people who um, leave or change the subject or completely shut down anytime a disagreement rears its head. This is not to be confused with trying to discuss something with a person who refuses to understand your point or how you feel or is closed off to the idea that any opinion that contradicts with their own is not worth considering. In situations like those, continuing to actually have a conversation is absolutely pointless. Avoiding the conflict is actually recommended to just preserve your peace and sanity because nobody got time for that. Like not one single person. Conflict avoidance is perfectly normal in small doses. 
It's when you have created a lifestyle of shouldering the bad decisions and bad behaviors or actions of others rather than dealing with it because you fear that, you know, the person is going to have a negative outcome or a negative response to it, or you find it difficult to trust that the other person's reaction to it will be one that you'll be able to live with. That's when it becomes a problem. Conflict avoidance might as well be the first cousin to people-pleasing. And we know that people-pleasing is one of the primary ways that fatherless daughters seek to show others that they are worthy to be loved, that um, there's no reason for the person to leave, and all of these other things that we typically talk about. But I wanted to give you a few more examples of what conflict avoidance can look like, just in case you're still unsure if this might be you or somebody you know. So some examples are like when you endure uncomfortable or hurtful situations instead of expressing the issue openly. You may be a person who regularly um, gives your significant other the silent treatment when you're upset. You may flat out deny issues exist by completely ignoring them. You may laugh nervously or plaster some kind of fake smile on your face instead of dealing with the big emotions that you have because you fear expressing yourself. You may silently resent people who you have unresolved issues with and still not say a daggone thing about it. You fear provoking unpleasant or negative emotions in others, so you never bring anything up. And you silently accumulate grievances and annoyances and problems until you cannot take it anymore, and then you explode, dumping everything that you've collected on the person all at once. That last one, used to be the way that I communicated often in relationships. And by the time I got to the point of taking it and taking it and taking it until I exploded, the relationship was over. It had to be. There was absolutely no way for us to repair the damage after that happened. But healing has helped me to realize that emotional unavailability in both me and my partner made it hard to handle conflict without thinking that it was a personal attack against who I was as a person. I was simply not able to separate the issue from the person. So when conflict arose, I viewed it as a character flaw rather than an issue I had the opportunity to partner with my significant other to solve. When we can start to look at conflict as an opportunity to learn. We see it less as a threat and more as a tool to build intimacy. Disagreements, when done from a place of wanting to understand, can encourage deeper connections. Being able to legitimately air grievances in a way that is heard and respected is a valued relationship skill. 
and a necessary part of creating a safe space for your relationship to thrive in. One of the tools that I like to use is asking clarifying questions. And I do this and I absolutely love it because it takes the onus off of me to try and figure out what a person meant by what they said or trying to discern the meaning behind some kind of behavior that I'm noticing. And it just allows the person the opportunity to tell me, you know, I don't have to make any assumptions or worse, create some kind of story in my head that will likely be the worst possible reason for for why something is happening. Because y'all know, and I have already told you this, that I am a person who is recovering from allowing my imagination to run wild in the worst possible ways. So asking clarifying questions really helps me to stay grounded in the present moment. But let me tell y'all, before I graduated to flat out asking clarifying questions in the moment, I wrote down how I felt and what I wanted to address before having a difficult conversation with my partner. And there is nothing wrong with doing that because I'm telling you, like it was so much easier to stay on task and avoid getting flustered if I had my talking points to draw from. And if that is the way that you need to do this, I'm encouraging you to take the step to do that. I really hope that this helps you um, in the way that it's helped me. But speaking of difficult conversations, there is a decision that I've come to that I wanted to share. Season four is going to be the final season of my podcast. I have loved that the podcast has given me the opportunity to share what I learned on my healing journey, as well as highlighting the stories of other fatherless daughters, just like you and me. However, I want to pivot to offering opportunities for deeper learning, and my podcast is not the platform for what I have in mind. Some of what I've been thinking about will be in the form of books, workshops, articles, and programs. And I'm really excited that I do have some of these projects that are coming up that I'm currently working on and that I will be able to share with you soon. But, you know, um, we do have eight more episodes together until the end of season four. And I just wanted to share this now because I didn't want it to be um, a surprise closer to the end. I wanted to let you guys know that these last two months that we have together that, you know, we're going to be wrapping things up and definitely going to be letting you know as we get closer to the time of um, the end of season four that there is going to be ways for us to continue our connection. And I will also share with you where uh, the episodes that I have um, recorded for the podcast will be living. Um, But for now, I will see you in the next episode. And remember that you deserve amazing relationships. But Before you see the fruit of that amazing relationship, you have to plant the seed. So keep doing the work and I will see you in the next one. Bye.